Welcome to another edition of the Sports by Fry podcast. Thank you for tuning in. My name is Fry and I am back today recapping a huge 2019 NBA trade deadline. We had about 20 trades leading up to deadline day throughout the season and then I think we had off the top of my head another 15 to 20 on deadline day. So plenty of players being moved around in the NBA, one of which was not Anthony Davis, which I'll discuss a little bit at the lead-off, but I'm going to break down some of the major deals. If you came here for the big news of Scal Labissiere heading to the Blazers for Caleb Swanigan, then I'm sorry, I'm not going to be covering that in depth. However, I will talk about the relevant moves, a lot of playoff implications out east. All of the good teams out east got better. Boston did make a move, but they're arguably playing better and making a move just by fixing their lineup. So without further ado, let me dive in. Okay, so first things first, before I dive into all the talk of which players move to which new teams, I have to touch on the Anthony Davis saga. So as I'm sure you all know, he didn't make the move to the Lakers like a lot of Los Angeles fans would have wanted, and that kind of puts them in a tricky position negotiating for him moving forward. I don't think it completely rules them out. There's definitely moves out there that the Lakers can make to boost their chances. Maybe they get a couple of picks by trading away some young guys. Maybe they do something come draft time that entices Anthony Davis and the Pelicans to accept an offer from them, but... If they were going to make the move, now was the time. They really wasted an opportunity getting AD before the deadline expired. Because the Lakers couldn't get AD, I think Boston's in the box seat moving forwards. They've got all the assets in the world. If they're willing to part with Jason Tatum, then that could almost get a deal done with a few picks. And don't rule out the New York Knicks. I think if they get pick number one, they'd be smart to draft Zion. But if they get pick two or three in the draft after the lottery, maybe they can dangle that with the likes of Kevin Knox... Dennis Smith Jr., a few other bits and pieces. That could, maybe a flurry of picks, that could tempt the Pelicans into trading AD to them. For the rest of the season, the Pelicans are in a pretty tough spot now, and I don't really know which way they should go. It seems likely that he's going to play, and I think there's a report stating that he is going to play. By the time you watch this, you might know. Um, He's going to play the rest of the season with New Orleans, but... I'd give some serious thought to sitting him out for the rest of the contests. There's so many pros compared to so many cons in the advantage of Anthony Davis sitting. If you play him, there's a chance he plays worse and his trade value goes down. He gets hurt, and then all of a sudden they lose leverage in potential trade negotiations. And because he's such a superstar, he's going to win you more games. So if he keeps winning you games, you're only going to worsen your lottery odds. So if you rest Anthony Davis, you can keep him at his peak trade value and keep plummeting down the standings and bettering your lottery odds. It would be a tough sell, and I don't think many Pelicans fans are quite yet ready to rip off the Band-Aid and not see Anthony Davis ever again in a Pels jersey. So I don't think the Pelicans will do that, but yeah, if they're feeling bold, then it might be a smart move. Okay, time to talk trades. If you want to check out the trades, uh, all the complete coverage of the trade deadline, I did a piece on sportsbyfry.com that recapped all the big deals. I even broke down some of the little ones and talked about them in there. But on this video slash podcast, I'm just going to talk about half a dozen of the big deals that happened in the last 48 hours. And the first one I'm going to touch on is the Otto Porter to Chicago trade. 
So from a Wizards perspective, this was a pretty good move to get out of committed salary. And I do like the looks of Jabari Parker and Bobby Portis. I think Jabari's had some injuries, so he's probably not as great a prospect. And I can understand why he's kind of being handballed around teams now. But Bobby Portis is actually solid. He's been in a weird spot in that Chicago front court. They've drafted guys like Markinen. He had that fight with Nikola Mirotic that threw him in some hot water. I think he can still be... You know, maybe a a double-double type of guy. And with the Pelicans trading Markeith Morris away, I think that Portis will be a nice fit. He's a restricted free agent, I think, at the end of the year. So there's every chance that someone will just throw some serious coin at him. But there's no reason why Washington couldn't try and keep him moving forwards. Jabari Parker's got a $20 million team option on his contract next year. So I don't think the Wizards will pick that up. However, if he comes out and balls, they might decide that... It's worth taking another one-year gamble on him. I think if they're going to do that, though, they're not going to pay him the full 20 mil. On the other side of the ball, Otto Porter going to the Bulls. It's a nice fit. I don't hate it. It's Like I said, Otto Porter is a pretty decent player. He's very versatile, but it's a lot of money to commit to someone, especially on a Bulls team that's kind of now stuck back in the middle. They were tanking and losing a lot of games, but because they've got Porter, they might actually win a few more games and it might worsen their draft odds. That being said, if they still have a top five pick, they've got a nice call with Porter, Zach Levine, who can't defend but can score the ball. I do like Levine. And you've got a good big two with Laurie Markinen and Wendell Carter. So not a terrible trade. I kind of get the fit with Chicago. I think that there were reports about them earlier uh, last earlier in the season, sorry, when they were talking about maybe auditioning for free agents, but they're not really a free agent destination, and they kind of realised that and acted on the front foot by securing Porter. So I think it's a solid trade for both teams. Washington got out of the money, and Chicago got a pretty decent player in return. Next one, I'm not going to spend too long on this, but Tyler Johnson to the Suns is probably scraping the bottom of the barrel between relevant and non-relevant. But I think he could actually be a good fit for the Phoenix Suns. I think that they've desperately needed a point guard. I would have tried to chase someone who had a bit more flawed general instincts, if that makes sense. I don't even know if that's a word or a term, but Tyler Johnson seems like he's a bit more of a natural scorer, so maybe they could have used someone who can control the tempo a bit better. However, I don't think Tyler Johnson's going to be their point guard of the future. That being said, he could turn out to be a nice sixth man piece. If the Phoenix Suns were to draft Ja Morant, who I do really like in this draft, then that would be a nice sixth man coming off your bench, Tyler Johnson. They also got Wayne Ellington in the deal, but they've since waived him, and he's a great shooter that I think can help a contender. I'm trying to talk it into existence, but I really want him to go to the Thunder. However, as I was recording this, there was Twitter reports, uh, my phone's buzzing at my feet, that the Detroit Pistons are interested in him. So you never know what could happen. It might turn out that uh, Wayne Ellington ends up on a contender, but it seems like Detroit's the front runner at the moment. On the other side of the ball, Ryan Anderson going to Miami. It really doesn't mean a lot. However, it did get the heat under the luxury tax to save them a lot of dollars. I don't know the exact number amount, but seems like a small win-win for both sides. Next one on the list is a big three-team... Well... <laughs> Not a big three-team deal, but a three-team deal involving the Houston Rockets, Sacramento Kings, and Cleveland Cavaliers. So from a Houston perspective, they were able to snag Iman Shumpert and a couple of dudes who got further deal. Actually, quick aside, shout-out to Nick Stauskas and Wade Baldwin. Those poor dudes were traded three times in the last five days, and the last time they were traded to the Pacers, the Pacers ended up waiving him. So 
just a spare a thought for those type of guys who've just gone through the absolute ringer in the last week. But getting back to the Rockets, they got Shump in this deal. Now, I don't know how much Aman Shumpert can contribute anymore, but if he can at least hit a couple of threes and play solidly, he might get minutes in the playoffs. I think he's the type of guy that will see the court during the regular season and not see the court during the playoffs, if that makes sense. So not a huge uh, benefit there for Houston acquisition-wise, but they did get off Brandon Knight's contract and they dealt that to the Cavaliers, uh, along with Marquise Chris and a 2019 lottery protected first. So just this trade period, Cleveland's actually acquired eight draft picks. There's only two firsts in there, but it's proactive from the Cavaliers. I don't mind it as a, uh, a, a fan myself, uh, a Cavs fan. So not a stupid move to try and get back a bit of draft capital, especially after we were gutted in the LeBron era. So thumbs up from Kobe Altman this trade period. Would have liked to see us get rid of Kevin Love. But anyway, enough of the Cavs. Uh, Cleveland, in the last part of the deal, sent Alec Burks to the Sacramento Kings. He can definitely contribute. I started to like him uh, as a Cav when he had some meaningful minutes, and I don't think he moves the needle a hell of a lot for Sacramento, but he's a good depth piece, so not a bad trade for all teams involved. Next up is my personal favourite trade of the uh, trade deadline period, and that was Harrison Barnes going to Sacramento. Don't know why, but I've always kind of liked Harrison Barnes. I wouldn't have paid him as much money as Miami, uh, sorry, as the Mavericks did a couple of years ago, but he can definitely still be a meaningful contributor. The Kings had a little bit of a hole at the small forward position. I think Bogdan Bogdanovich, or he might be Bogan, I don't know. There's too many Bogdanoviches cruising around the NBA. Whichever one is on Sacramento is a bit more of a two-guard, so he can split minutes with Buddy Heald and now potentially Alec Burks. But getting Harrison Barnes, he can play a bit more of the three and even the four, worst-case scenario, and he can score the rock. That's something that Harrison Barnes does do really well. He's contracted for the rest of this season and then has a player option around $25 million for next year, so I don't think he'll be turning that down. And if he does play out that entire deal, then if it's not a right fit, the Sacramento Kings are so young that it makes sense for them to take this risk and then potentially get rid of him if it doesn't pan out. So I like the move from the Kings. They don't have their draft pick this year, so... From a Sacramento perspective, you may as well try and win as much as possible. And this move definitely puts them in the playoff picture, especially with the Clippers trading Tobias Harris. I could see them dropping out, and that opens the door for a playoff team to pounce. So I think the Kings and the Lakers will fight for it. Uh, Both teams I could definitely see inside the playoffs. From a Mavs perspective, dealing away the big salary of Harris and Barnes helps them audition some salary cap space. I don't know if you can audition salary cap space, but I've just apparently told you you can. Um, so now that the Dallas has uh, Luca and Chris Dapps Porzingis, if they've got salary cap space, they could try and get someone like Boogie Cousins this trade period, uh, this free agency period, sorry. So it's not a terrible move on both aspects. They also got Justin Jackson back, who's a pretty fine young guy. I don't think he'll ever make an all-star team, and I don't think he'll ever win any significant awards, but... If he's your ninth, eighth best player, then you're not a terrible team. I'll give you that much. Shifting my attention out east for a minute, and the Milwaukee Bucks were able to add another shooter. It's something I wanted to see them do this trade slash buyout season. So well done to the Bucks for doing that. They snagged Nikola Mirotic from the Pelicans. Technically, this was a three-team trade. So earlier before the deadline, um, 
Thon McCurr was traded to the Detroit Pistons, and in return, Stanley Johnson went to the Bucks, and then the Bucks on-traded Johnson and four second-round picks with Jason Smith to the Pelicans. So four second-round picks, even if they are going to be in the 50s, is a nice haul for the Pels, and they were able to get off Miritich, who had been rumoured to be dealt anyway. So, yeah, good get for the Bucks. I think that they definitely needed some more floor spaces to open up lanes for Giannis. He has kind of come back down to earth a little bit in the last couple of weeks, and I think it's because people are figuring him out and they don't have as many great shooters to bail out Giannis. So Miritich will help them space the floor. He can play the three, the four. He can definitely help in playoff time. So I think this is a great get by the Bucks. Quickly from a Pels perspective, I don't mind the young get of Stan Johnson. I've been a big fan of uh, Stanley. I don't think he's going to, similar to Justin Jackson, be a superstar or make an all-star team, but I could definitely see him being a double-digit scorer. I could see him pushing like 15 points if he finds a nice niche. They traded away Wesley Johnson, the Pelicans this is, traded away Wesley Johnson in the Markeith Morris deal that I already mentioned in the Wizards part. So there's definitely some minutes there for him at the small forward spot, and I hope that Johnson can secure those minutes and turn himself into a better player than what was happening in Detroit. He needed a fresh start, and I think this will be a good fit for him. Probably the biggest name traded in the last 48 hours, and arguably this trade period, was Marcus Gasol. It's a bit sad for Grizzlies fans to see one of their fan favourites leave, but it's a good move for the Toronto Raptors. They snagged Gasol in exchange. Memphis got back Jonas Valanciunas, CJ Miles, DeLon Wright, and a 2024 second round pick. So not a great return, I'll be honest, but they can effectively wash their hands of all those guys in a year or two. I think from memory, both Valanciunas and CJ Miles have player options, and DeLon Wright is a restricted free agent next season. So I like Wright. I think he could be a long-term piece with the Grizz. And a second rounder, even though it might not be worth a hell of a lot, like I said, Picks are picks, and you need picks if you want to draft players, and it's the easiest way to build up a championship team is to through the draft. So not a bad return for Memphis. On the Toronto side of the ball, I think getting Gasol really puts them right at the top echelon of the East now. I have been a little bit sceptical of if they are going to be a contender, despite the fact that they're probably second at the time of recording this. I've I don't know why, I just haven't really believed in them. Maybe it's because I've seen them fail multiple times in the playoffs. And there's no guarantee that Kyle Lowry can deliver on the big stage as well. So getting another versatile playmaking defensive big like Gasol is a good piece for the Raptors. I do love the fact that he's a good passer and playmaker. And that'll definitely, I think, be utilized throughout the rest of the regular season and will help them in the playoffs. you got to go up against some big bodies in the East playoffs. The guys like Aaron Baines, Al Horford... Joel Embiid, uh, Giannis, Brooke Lopez. There's some pretty versatile and talented bigs that they'll have to match up with in the East playoff race. So getting Marc Gasol, even though he's a couple of years removed from his defensive prime, he's definitely worth the gamble. He's got a player option next year for around 25 mil again. And I don't think he'll take it. There's reports that he was not going to take it, and then he was. But I think that right now he's all about winning a chip. So... He might take that player option up pending what Kawhi does, but regardless, they've got Kawhi, Kyle, and Marc Gasol now, a big three that they can rely on. They did kind of gut a little bit of their depth. However, with the growth of Pascal Siakam, OG Ananobi, and Fred Van Vliet coming off the pine, Sergio Barker as well on the list, I think that they're 
not as bad as some people might think with regards to depth now. So losing CJ, DeLon and JV will hurt, but I don't think... I think it, the pros outweigh the cons for this trade is what I should say. Last noteworthy deal, and unfortunately, Philly fans, the 2017 number one overall pick is no longer a sixer. Markel Fultz was traded to the Orlando Magic with Jonathan Simmons, an OKC-protected first and a Cleveland-protected second from memory sent back to the Sixers in return. So just touching on Philadelphia for a minute, I think that Simmons can play some meaningful playoff minutes. Just quietly, I think the Sixers might have won this trade deal. They did give up a lot of picks for Tobias Harris, which is risky, and I don't think that they should have given up four picks, especially two firsts for someone of Harris's ilk, especially because he's a free agent. But if they do work things out, I like the fact that they've addressed some of their depth concerns. They've got some four... They've got a really good starting five now. They've got a big four now they've landed Harris, and all reports indicate that they want to re-sign all those guys. So I do kind of like that. So well done from the Sixers' perspective. They're, again, another East team all in on winning this year. But back to Markel Fultz. Hopefully, pray to God for his sake, that Orlando can give him a fresh start. First thing he needs to do is clearly get his body right, regardless of his clunky jump shot. He just needs to figure out what's going on with his shoulder issues. He might never be the same player that we saw in college, and he lit it up for the Washington Huskies. He was a great scorer, so I hope for his sake that he can kind of recapture the vibe and that he can develop and turn into a good point guard for Orlando. They need a point guard, so this is definitely a low-risk, high-reward trade. That first-round pick of OKCs that they gave up is, I think from memory, top 20 protected, and then it conveys into two second-round picks later on. So effectively, they gave up Simmons and a couple of seconds for a chance at Markel Fultz. So I think it's worth a gamble. Hopefully for Fultz's sake, he can get things right. But yeah, that'll be one of the very interesting storylines to monitor over the rest of this season and moving forward. Before I wrap things up, I want to quickly touch on a couple of the buyout candidates. So now that the trade deadline has passed, we can't see any more trades until the next season technically begins. I think from memory that's around July 1st when trades can happen again, the opening of free agency. So for that reason, I think we could see some big names get bought out very soon. Wesley Matthews and Ennis Cantor have already been bought out and waived by the Knicks. Uh, Wes Matthews apparently is committed to signing with the Pacers, so nice little fit there. Ennis Cantor could definitely help a playoff team. Marcin Gortat and Milos Teodosic were waived by the Clippers today as well. So you could see Tia Dosic playing some point guard minutes for a team in the playoffs. Don't really know who off the top of my head. Originally, I was thinking the Sixers, but with TJ McConnell already, and now that they've got Ben Simmons technically running point, it doesn't make a huge fit. But I have a hunch that Gortat or Robin Lopez, who's someone I've already talked about a few times, will end up on the Warriors as a center backup. Uh, at this stage, I think Lopez is leading that race, but Gortat can still play, and I don't think that he'll just rest. The re- I don't think he'll spend the rest of the season resting and doing nothing. Zach Randolph uh, has been waived by Memphis, uh, by Memphis, sorry, by Dallas as well. He was part of the trade that saw Harrison Barnes go to Sacramento and hasn't played at all yet this season. Apparently, Randolph's been keeping himself in really good shape and wants to come back this season and have an impact. So. He's another guy to keep your eye on. And I'm sure by the time you've watched this or listened to this and in the coming days, then you'll hear more reports about the buyout market and players who will sign with contenders moving forwards. And that wraps things up. Another huge NBA trade deadline. It's time for me to edit this video slash podcast and take a nap. 
Thank you once again for tuning in. Make sure you subscribe to the channel on YouTube. Thumbs up if you enjoyed the video. Make sure you uh, subscribe to the podcast as well. More episodes coming soon. I'm going to go and get a nap in. Until next time, peace.